good to see all of you here and welcome. Hopefully you do have your driver's license on you or you have your driver's license number memorized. This is a certification to be a new life behavior instructor. And um, I was at uh, Birmingham back in uh, February and John Gallagher did a certification training there. He's our regional director, one of them in Birmingham. And uh, one of the ways he started the class was just with a discussion of uh, why should a person be a certified NLB instructor? And he took various responses from the audience and then kind of moved into the uh, instruction itself. Uh, I think one of the first things that we're looking at is feeling confident in what we're doing. Doesn't that make a difference to you when you feel confident about doing something? You've made a decision to do something and now you feel confident in doing it. Uh, if you're about to do something that you lack confidence in, uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. So the more confident you can feel in teaching any curriculum, uh, the better it's going to be. And hopefully after this session and after HM's session tomorrow and all of the other classes that you're going to throughout this workshop, uh, you will feel more confident. And uh, that is a part of the training as well. You know, someone says, well, I come to this short session, I go to HM's short, short session tomorrow, and um, that's it. Uh, well, it's not just exactly that's it it's also all of the other classes that you're choosing to go to uh, throughout this workshop and many of you have been by our booth in fact most of our stuff has already gone on the booth and uh, you look through that material you go to our website there's a, there's a lot of other things that you can learn and yes there is no way that we could say everything that needs to be said or even could be said uh, in this short period of time. We'll do our best. The second thing is for others to have confidence in you. And uh, one of the reasons that we keep a record of all of our certified instructors is so that if we get a call from a chaplain or from a warden, from someone wanting to know, is this person certified to teach the New Life Behavior Curriculum, uh, we can verify that that is true. Uh, as well as should you ever uh, lose your certificate, uh, we can, we've got the date and everything there. Uh, if your address changes, we can issue you a new uh, certificate with the new address on it. You move to another state, now you've got a different driver's license number. Certification remains uh, intact. Uh, now every time you come to a workshop and there's training offered, if you want to attend, that's fine. Uh, just sort of a refresher type thing. There's always uh, new tools and products being added uh, to what we have to offer. But uh, whenever you show your certificate or it's verified that you are certified as an NLB instructor, then those people running that facility will have greater confidence in you that you know what you're doing. Now sometimes, let me just give you a little clue here, sometimes we run into someone that says, I'm teaching one of the courses. We have 14 courses, including the children's edition. So maybe you're teaching the substance abuse piece, uh, course eight. And because it has to do 
with that specific subject matter, someone may say, well, this says you're certified to teach NLB, but what about this particular course? Or again, perhaps in course 12 and managing my anger. And so sometimes what we do upon request is furnish an instructor a certification that specifies that yes, you are certified to teach that curriculum as well. Again, the interest and the real matter of the fact is the curriculum and not you or I as the instructor. Uh, we need to trust the curriculum. So as that sheet is going around, if you want to receive your certificate, we need your name, your address, your driver's license number, all of that as it appears on your driver's license. In most of the institutions, when you go in, that's what you've got to present them is your driver's license. And so that's all of the information uh, that will be on your certificate. And then that's the only use we make of that information. And we keep it on record. We don't give that to anybody else. Yeah. No, not unless there's some information that is yet. Yes, good point. If, uh, if you're already certified, do you need to put your name on there? No, not unless something has changed. But I appreciate Jimmy raising his hand. As you'll notice, uh, please, a workshop to me is where everybody gets their questions answered. Uh, a failure in a workshop is when you come to a workshop and you've got a question at the end of that workshop, you still got the same question and you don't have any answers. Uh, sometimes we have not because we ask not. And so be sure if something is said, it's not crystal clear in your mind, raise your hand, I'll call on you and we'll try to clarify uh, as best we can uh, everything. Now open up your packet if you haven't already done so. I want to give you just a little brief history of new life behavior. Can't do this uh, justice. We're going to hit on some high spots. Uh, you can find some of this information as you go through. This is a packet that we would send someone that cannot attend a workshop like this live and in person. Sometimes the only way we can train someone is by correspondence. And whenever we do that, we'll also be giving them the written examination at the end of the course. And then they'll send that back in for grading uh, and that sort of thing. But they, of course, they don't have the opportunity that you do today in a live session to ask questions. You've got several brochures in there. And one of those is the New Life Behavior Trifold Brochure. It gives you a lot more information than what is on uh, the screen, and I'm not going to read all of this, but as you can see, uh, New Life Behavior has been around for a long time. Again, that gives you confidence in using the curriculum. It isn't something that was hatched yesterday. It's also something that's being used in a lot of different places, over 40 states and in over 40 countries. Dr. Motzinger that founded the program in 84 will be teaching the class tomorrow and he now has a separate 501c3 called New Life Behavior International and he does New Life Behavior outside the U.S., New Life Behavior Ministries, 
uh, is in Corpus Christi, and we do things here in the U.S. But we get requests for uh, new life behavior in other countries, as I did all the way up here. I simply forward that information to Dr. Motzinger, and he follows up on that. He gets a request from within the U.S. Uh, he sends that to us in Corpus Christi. So uh, that division. And you also probably see in there one of the tribal brochures about the international program as well. So as we go along, if you have questions, in 2000, I wrote the uh, Christians Against Substance Abuse course, TASA, uh, course eight. At that time, I got with Dr. Motzinger, looked at the curriculum, saw everything up through Attitudes and Behaviors, course seven, and I said, you know, this is fine, except you don't have anything on substance abuse. And we had started the CASA program in Corpus Christi in 1988, and he said, that's because I don't know anything about it, you've got to write it. And so that's when I really got involved big time with new life behavior, and then became a member of that board, and they asked me to become the president in 2002. I said, I live in Corpus Christi, that's where our office is, our workers, our support. If I do that, we've got to relocate the central office from Dallas to Corpus. And we did that in 2002. Now then we've added, you can see the number of courses have almost doubled since then uh, with the 14 courses today, including the children's edition. You have a list of all of the courses there. Someone was asking me in the earlier class uh, about the different courses. I said, well, we'll have all of those outlined for you uh, when we get to the training. Any questions, again, be sure and raise your hand as we go along. You'll see this sheet's got a lot more uh, things on there than I've got on the board. I just want to hit quickly on these four 10 keys to success. Number one is love your students. Uh, well, those folks in your classes will pick you off in a New York minute, as they say. If you're not genuine, and if you don't have a genuine love and compassion for your students, you don't really care about them. What's that old saying? People don't care how much we know until they know what? How much we care. And uh, so don't make the mistake, as in one of the other classes where someone said, uh, don't let your sympathy outrun your empathy. You, know, you, you can get in trouble uh, letting your feelings uh, go too far. But at the same time, it is our passion and our compassion, like Jesus, that propels us into places like jails and prisons. Don't overreact to success or faith. I find that a lot of times that's what leads to our burnout. You know, we, uh, we have a success, and oh, it's, uh, isn't this great? It's the greatest work in the world. Uh, sometimes our success and our failure is the same person. And then what happens to that success? That success goes south, and then, oh, what a terrible world it is, and I wish I'd never gotten involved in this work. Uh, or sometimes it's separate people. But uh, one of the things I try to remember that it's not, it's not really a, a lot about me, either way. You know, I try to be uh, a help as best I can, but if it's a great success, uh, I, that's not something that I've caused or, or created. Uh, if it's a failure, uh, that probably wasn't due to some gigantic mistake that I made either. Uh, we can't rob each other 
of our individuality and our freedom of choice. Uh, I like to remember God and Adam and Eve, I guess, if you want to call God a, a parent. Uh, he was a failure with both of his first two kids. Uh, but you can do everything right and still have uh, failures. You can do everything wrong, and sometimes people will succeed in spite of our ignorance and our flaws and our stumbling ways. Obey all the rules, and if in doubt, ask. Uh, that's my motto. If I don't know if I ought to do it or not, I don't do it until I have a chance to find out whether uh, that's something I ought to do or not. Uh, every, everything that you're going to find in your packet is going to take the most conservative approach as far as what you ought to do and what you ought not to do just to try to keep us out of trouble rather than trying to uh, live life on the edges as far as what uh, we ought to do or what we ought not to do. And don't let outsiders discourage you. And generally, those outsiders that discourage us the most are within the church, within our own local congregations, or within our own families. Why in the world do you want to waste your time doing that? Uh, just don't let other people discourage you. All right, let's look at the next one. This has to do with guidelines. And again, I said... Uh, we're not going to talk about all of them, but just a few. And we're going to take the most conservative approach. One of the things we found, we went to do uh, some weekend seminars at some federal prisons and had some new volunteers. They were on the bus. We'd ridden for several hours to get there. And uh, I hadn't checked the ladies' shoes, uh, but you can't wear open-toed shoes into the prison. One of the guys was wearing a pair of jeans, and you can't wear jeans. So our first uh, stop, fortunately, we got there early enough to make a trip to the local Walmart. But uh, again, down a lot of places you can get away with that. In fact, some state prisons, even uh, Friday is Blue Jean Friday. You know, but uh, you don't bank on those kind of things. And I've never worn jeans in the prison, and I still don't wear open-toed shoes. Let them use you to set their clock. We always try to be early, not later on time but early. Uh, they need to see us sitting out there, uh, even if we have to sit out there for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, whatever it takes, and they know we're not going to leave until someone there comes out and tells us uh, we need to leave because things aren't going to happen that night or that day. Properly parked, don't get a ticket to prison. That's not a good idea. Uh, one day one of the officers was real kind to me. I've got one of those automobiles that's a minivan and the side doors will open automatically and one of our handicapped fellows got some material off out on the other side. That side door was open. We were in the prison teaching our class and the officer came and he went out and shut it for us. He, he was nice, wasn't he, Chapman back <laughs> He was really nice. But uh, don't leave your windows down, don't leave your doors unlocked. Uh, New chaplain in a brand new unit. I went out to meet him before the prison opened. And he said, uh, you like to hunt? And I said, yeah, I like to hunt. He said, me too. My grandpa's got a ranch out here. He said, in fact, I like to pack my own shells. But he said, when I came to be interviewed for the chaplain's job by the warden, he said, while I was in there talking to the warden, one of the officers came in and said, sir, do you have such and such a vehicle? And he said, yes. And he said, can I have your keys? 
and uh, would you join me out on the parking lot? And they went out there, and uh, they had detected gunpowder in the carpet of his vehicle that had escaped in his packing his own jail. And uh, they ended up with all of his seats out on the parking lot, and the whole thing dismantled, and they didn't put it back together for him either. <laughs> Uh, disclosed prior relationships. One of our good volunteers, a licensed chemical dependency counselor, had worked with one of the inmates prior to his incarceration in his private practice. He came in, he saw him there the first week and he didn't say anything. He came back the second week and after the second week's class he mentioned it to one of the officers, but he should have mentioned it when? The first week. And so he couldn't come back for six months. Don't send money, accept or give gifts, and I would even add, don't even leave it in question. Uh, the late Pinky Bates uh, did that with a fellow that was in the county jail. I didn't know it. And he could get away with it in the county jail, but when they sent that fellow to the state prison, the same guy wrote him and asked him if he'd put some money on his books. Why'd he do that? Because Pinky had done that for him when he was in the county. And Pinky wrote him back, and he said, I don't get paid until... He didn't say he was going to send him anything, but he just said, I don't get paid until... And Pinky didn't get to go back into that prison for a year. Didn't send him anything. Didn't say he'd send him anything. But uh, that's a real no-no. Males work with males and females with females. That's the principle that we use, and it doesn't get us into trouble. Don't condemn error. Teach the truth. We've already heard that in some of our other sessions, real important. Someone asks a question, ask them what does the Bible say, give them the Bible reference, and it's really neat when it's in a group or two or three of them around you. One fellow came up and said he was uh, sprinkled as a baby. Did he now need to be immersed as an adult? And I said, why don't you read? And I gave him a couple of Bible references, and before he could get to it in the Bible, one of the other inmates had already knew what those passages said, quoted it to him, and he said, now, what do you think? And I never said anything except look up these passages. And really, that's all you got to do. Now, let the Bible speak. Correspond knowing your many readers, and I say many readers, because this is a challenge. You're writing to someone but you're not just writing to the person you're addressing the letter to. Who else is going to read it? Chaplain Baggett? But you want to listen. <laughs> That's an honest man. That's an honest man. Now, the chaplain may read it. Someone else may read it. Insecurity may read it. He's going to read it and give it to a partner of his where he's living, in his living area. He may send it home to a family member. And so as you're writing that letter, instead of saying, well, I wish I could just write to this one guy, thank the Lord that you're getting to write this one letter, and maybe 10, 12, 15 different people get to see that same letter. Isn't that neat? Wow. So just keep in mind that you're, you've got many readers. The overview of NLB, you see this in there with the various circles. And in each of your package, you've got two DVDs. Both of those are a good way to introduce new life behavior to a chaplain, to uh, your congregation, to a group of volunteers that you're training. 
one of them, the 18-minute one, is a little bit longer, has a little more information in it, but sometimes you don't have that much time. If you have a Sunday evening service to present it to your congregation, you might use the 18-minute one. If you're doing a Wednesday night devotional, you might use the shorter one. Or if someone says, you got 10 minutes, that's all you got, obviously use the shorter one. Now, the overview, hopefully you're seeing right in the center, this is the NLB curriculum, chaplaincy directive. But outside of that, you have all of these other areas that spin off. And maybe you're involved in one of those areas, or maybe you're not. But it's a way to get a lot of other people in your congregation involved in the work that may not go into the facility and actually do the teaching. There's a lot of people that would like to be involved, but they don't want to teach. And so you've got many opportunities to do that, even working with them uh, whenever they get out. With church leaders, I, I find that our, our leaders in our congregations really need to be educated. And whenever we get disappointed because they're not, stop and ask yourself, who's responsible for that? Or whose job is it? Well, it's my responsibility. And so one way or the other, I, I need to open their eyes to just how big this thing is. I, I'll guarantee you, in your congregation, just start counting off one, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. And every third person has their lives impacted directly or indirectly by the criminal justice system. And when we're talking about criminal justice system, we're going all the way from juveniles to adults, uh, from treatment centers to pre-release to post-release. We're talking about county jails. We're talking about state prisons. We're talking about federal prisons all over this country. And then you talk about 90% of those impacted because of substance abuse. How many families are touched by substance abuse, whether or not they go to jail. Sooner or later, if they don't stop, they're probably going to have some legal issues. Now, they're probably going to get arrested, at least spend a night or two in the county jail. We were about to add some deacons in our local congregation one time. On a Saturday night, I got a call from one of the members. He asked if he could come over and see me. And as he came up, he said, you know, Someone had called him because in our congregation, when you do that, you're supposed to ask the person first if they feel like they're qualified and willing to serve. And then you turn their name in. He said he got one of those calls from one of our members. He said, but Buck, I just got out of jail last night. Well, that's not, probably doesn't make a real good deacon. At least not right anytime real soon, you know. Uh, but it affects our congregations. And almost all of our members, at least uh, every third. In 1978, when we had, go back to 74, if you look in your program, that was the first national workshop. In 78, we started putting together this national directory and the free copies of that out on the New Life Behavior booth for networking purposes. There were 28 churches of Christ and 110 individual Christians that we knew to be involved in jail prison ministries. Now look, at today we have 1,024 churches of Christ, 
2,370 individual Christians in Boston. Over 10,000 are baptized in jails and prisons in the U.S. every year today as a direct result of jail and prison ministries conducted by Churches of Christ. I believe this is the fastest growing ministry. Uh, I tell you what, back in 74, 75, 78, uh, we had to go to churches and almost get an arm lock, you know, on the, on the church leaders to get them to even think about going into a county jail or a state prison. Nowadays, guess what? They're calling us, and they're saying, we need to get involved in this. Can you help us get involved? Got a call from an elder in Arkansas just before we left. Uh, that identical same thing. And uh, I just had to commend him and compliment him over and over again because uh, I wish that happened every single week. Uh, but more and more getting involved. And of course, as a result of all these baptisms, we're having more and more people getting out of jails and prisons and showing up at churches and saying, I was converted in the system by someone from the church somewhere else. We don't know where all they're going. Sometimes they don't even know when they get out, but here's where they land. I was in a workshop in Los Angeles. A guy came into my class. He had been in El Reno, Oklahoma, in the federal prison, and they had trained him there very well so that every Sunday he was going to have the Lord's Supper with the Lord's body somewhere. And he was one of those migrant workers that was following the cross It just happened to be in that part of California at the time, and he showed up at church. Tell you what, that is impressive to see a product of the prison ministry on the Lord's Day comes, I'm going to be taking Lord's Supper with a body of believers somewhere. Understanding the curriculum. This is something I didn't realize. I'll confess to you. In 1984, I knew Dr. Mott Singer before he ever got started with this thing. And uh, he started this, and I saw what it was. It was about changing behavior. But at that time, I was all about what? teaching them and power playing them down under the water. <laughs> no, we don't need to uh, change their cussing. We need to, we need to get them underneath that water. And, and if they promise to do better, we'll let them up. Otherwise, we'll hold them up until they, until they stop bubbling. You know? But uh, then I, I came around. So there it was, about 1990, 1998, actually, when I got back with Dr. Meitzinger, and I said, I see, I see what New Life Ahead is all about. Because by that time, I'd been running in to these chaplains and wardens and, and parole officers and others who said, you know, you guys want to come in here every Sunday and save everybody. But where's the people that are going to come in here on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and help these guys learn how to live a better way of life? And I thought, you know, it's true that if they don't obey the gospel, they're going to be lost. But what's going to happen to them if they obey the gospel, but they keep lying and stealing and beating the wife and the kids? They're going to hell. So I said, you know, we've we got to do both of these things and new life behavior because it helps change the way a person behaves really touches a sensitive spot 
in corrections. That's what they're looking for. Proven and result-based. It really helps when you can say that. That's why we've just recently completed our 10-year recidivism study. And that's one of the things that we're continuing to do. Hopefully by next year's workshop, we'll have an updated report so far. Our goal was to have 1,000 women and 1,000 men in our first uh, sample study. Uh, we fell short by a little less than 200 on the latest. Uh, we bothered a lot more guys in incarcerated. We had about twice as many men, about 1,500 uh, men in the study. And I'll just tell you, uh, which would you think the highest recidivism rate would be among the men or the women? I, I said women, but, but I was prejudiced because my mother was a woman. And growing up, she said, Buck, you know, a bad woman is a bad woman. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, you know, and, and regardless of what we say about equality, you know, if, a, if it's a woman going up for the same charge, especially if she's got kids, that they'll be sooner letting her go on probation, then they're going to let the guy go. But our studies have shown that the recidivism rate is a little bit less for women than it is for the men. So i got to be honest, the, the stats do not bear out my preconceived notion. Uh, that's not the only thing my mama didn't tell me the truth about. When we're talking about pornography sometimes, I said, you know, my mama told me if I ever looked at the next woman, I'd go blind. I am wearing glasses, but uh, I, then I thought, well, what else did she tell me? To, well, what else she told me was that these women would probably go back to prison faster. But that's not true. It's cognitive oriented. You've heard that in other classes. See, why are we interested in this? Why is the prison interested in this? The new life behavior curriculum makes people think. And if they don't have the ability to think, uh, we get them involved in the reading of the curriculum, too, uh, in our classes. And guess what happens? Uh, they'll come to a word, and they'll kind of slur through that, and they don't know how to pronounce it. And guess what? If they don't know how to pronounce it, they probably don't know what it means. And then I'll just stop, and I'll say, anybody in here know what that word means? Dozen hands will go up. There's this, some of them in there. They know those words. And then they'll give the definition instead of me giving it. And everybody gets an education. And the prison system says, we like this new life behavior curriculum because you're increasing our offenders' vocabulary and you're increasing their proficiency at reading out loud uh, as well. Cognitive-oriented is important. Choose the courses by need. See, what a lot of people do, they look at course one, course two, course three, course four, and they think, okay, we've got to go in order, so we're going to start with course one. That is our most popular course, and one reason is because it's called course one. But it very well may be that whenever you're looking at your facility, the real hot topic that's needed there right now may be substance abuse. Or it may be managing my anger. Or it may be attitudes and behaviors. Or it may be parenting matters, course three. But whatever it is, you go with what 
And you sit down with the chaplain, you talk about, okay, I don't know what all kind of programs you got at your facility, uh, but you do, and so here's the courses that we've got to offer. What could we offer that would complement what you're trying to do for the offender population? And they look at that and say, hey, we need this, or we need that. So that's the one that you go with, and that's how you choose. So it's more like a smorgasbord, and you go in and put on your plate uh, what you need. And then accept your limitations. You can't teach, I can't teach, none of us can teach all 14 courses at the same time at the same institution. Uh, it's just not physically possible. And so there are some things that you can't do. There are some things that you can't do. By the same token, there are courses that you can send by correspondence that the people cannot take on the unit in person. And then don't forget spouses and children. One of the things I love to do is ask the students to send the course that they're taking live in the prison class to their spouses. And I said, now you do it first, and you write all over your lesson. You circle stuff, and you underline stuff, and you put an asterisk, and you write something in the margin over here. And then you send that home to your loved one and ask them to do the same thing and send it back to you. Now, I guarantee you what's going to happen. You talk about communication. He's going to get that thing. Say, I wonder how come that idiot circled this. And then she's going to circle something else and send it back. He's going to go, well, how come she circled this one over here? And, and guess what? Then whenever they do their writing and they have their visits and they get their occasional phone call, they're talking about their new life behavior course. Uh, tremendous way to use it as a tool. All right, our product brochure, uh, that's the blue one in there. This is something that makes a great tool when you're going to a chaplain or trying to, to get the thing uh, actually accepted and approved because it lists all of the units, the unit names, the titles of each of the individual lessons, all 13 lessons in each of the courses. The uh, the fee set up is $85 per English course, and on that CD, uh, you get all of the 13 lessons, you get the grading key, you get the certificate, you get a formal proposal that you can print out to use to present to the authorities there, and you also get the instructor's guide, uh, which is in your packet uh, as well. And that comes on each one of the CDs, entitles you to unlimited lifetime reproductions of those for your classes, and free updates. And so anytime someone calls our office and says, you know, I've lost my CD or my CD broke, or uh, this is dated 2005, uh, we'll send you uh, a new CD. Because we're always updating and improving and making corrections on the courses. Rarely a week goes by uh, that we don't make some kind of editing uh, decisions. If they're in Spanish, they're $55 a course, and that's primarily because a lot of our Spanish-speaking brethren, they just don't have the resources that uh, our con other congregations have, and uh, we try to accommodate them as best we can. World Bible School teachers, congregations associated with World Bible School, they tell us that when they order, and we charge them $15 a course for the very same thing for them. Uh, that's because most World Bible School teachers, as you know, uh, fund those programs out of their own hip hop. Okay? 
using the curriculum, it's easy to use. This makes it so much easier to recruit teachers. Uh, you know, for years in congregations, we say, would you take uh, such and such a class? And what's the first question? Uh, what do I teach? Uh, do you have some material? Uh, guess what? Yes, we've got the material uh, for the class that we're asking them to teach in the prison. And actually, we're trying to work overtime uh, to get them to use the curriculum as it is rather than trying to supplant that material uh, with something of their own. In fact, uh, I've got where if you're approved to teach an NLB class, use the curriculum, trust the curriculum. I'm called by chaplains on a regular basis that say, uh, we're in a quandary. There's volunteers coming in. This class was approved three years ago to teach CASA, uh, the substance abuse course. And uh, now then, the students, they're, they're not getting that material, and the teacher's teaching something else. And I think you've got no <laughs> alternative. It's a, it's a new life behavior course. They're supposed to be teaching CASA. They're not doing it. Uh, they've got to shut that course down, that class down now, then, and tell the teacher that if he wants to teach something else, then please come present his plan, his proposal for whatever else he wants to teach, and the decisions will be made about that. But if it's a new life behavior class, they need to be teaching new life behavior and using the curriculum. In that teacher's guide that you have there, it's, it's long and it's lengthy and uh, it'll wear you out, but there's four steps in this plan. When you first walk in, the idea is relaxation via sharing. Uh, that could be the way that you greet them, the way that you welcome them. Uh, you want to them to feel comfortable. You want them to feel wanted. Uh, you, you want them to feel special. Uh, whatever way that you can do that. Inspiration via worship. This is simply some kind of a devotional time. It could be something as simple as a prayer. Uh, taking prayer requests before you start the class, and then honoring those requests in the prayer. It could be a song, uh, sometimes a scripture reading. Sometimes each week we'll just start with, we want someone to volunteer their favorite Bible passage. And boy, that's rich. Uh, every one of them's got a favorite Bible passage, and they get to share that favorite Bible passage. Number three is obviously the most extensive, and that's where you're teaching the curriculum, teaching the class, and then finally at the end, you're asking them to do something about what was just presented. What are you going to do between class time ending tonight and the class time beginning next week? And of course then next week, whenever you start that class, you may start by asking someone to share what their goal was last week and how they did with it this week. And sometimes it'll just be that, uh, you know, well, I set out last week, I was going to go all week long until tonight's class without cussing. And I made it seven days, or six days, or five days, or four days. But guess what? For them, that was probably four days longer than they did even time before. So you ask them to take an assignment. Then on the certificates, you'll see, uh, if you've seen our certificates down at the bottom, there's four options. We require them to attend 10 out of 13 times 
we have a box to check if they just did the minimum requirements. We also have a box to honor perfect attendance. We also have a box for what we call exemplary participation. And that's where they take part in the class and give the feedback, ask questions, answer questions, that sort of thing. And then at the end is if they're just taking it by correspondence because we do feel there's a vast difference between doing it by mail and doing it in person. The power of networking, this job's too big for one of us, and that's one of the reasons for the directory. We also keep a, a state directory for Texas, and uh, this has all the units, the chaplains, the type of units, the number of offenders, the number of beds, uh, the chaplain's name, the phone numbers for the institution, the local volunteer that follows up, and uh, all of these take constant work just to try to keep them up to date, and they're never 100% up to date. The fields are different, define your ministry, uh, and that's so important. If your ministry is with uh, youth at a juvenile detention facility, your definition of your ministry is gonna be different. If it's a female facility, it's gonna be different. If it's just a male facility, a male state prison, it's different from a male federal prison. So uh, each one of us will define our ministry a little bit differently, and then you may need to revisit that at some point as your ministry evolves and changes and expands, becomes more than it is today. So you develop a number of avenues of service, and this is how you involve a lot more members of the congregation than just those going in to actually teach community services. We can't reinvent the wheel. Uh, you've heard in several sessions I have where they talk about community resources that help with with clothing, with jobs, with housing, with counseling, with medical, with dental, and it goes on and on and on. We have a sheet that we call our street sheet, and it's all of these community resources. And guys get out, gals get out, uh, and here's all of the places they can go, uh, phone numbers they can call to get help with these various things. And Baptistries around the world is a program we began in really 1991, and just making sure that prisons and jails have baptistries. We got sick and tired of these folks turning us down because they said they didn't have the facility uh, to accommodate immersion. And so we said, I tell you what, we'll, we'll send one to your facility. But of course, you've got to have their approval as well. And uh, but we just try to answer that objection before we get to it. Various brochures, you see those in there. At VetNet, it's kind of unusual. This is a part of new life behavior, but it's really doesn't have anything to do with jail prisons specifically. Uh, this is uh, where we're making the curriculum available free to any person in military, uh, active, reserve, or uh, veteran. So if you know of anyone, uh, they can go on our website and sign up for that automatically, and we just send them the material. They don't have to send it in for grading. Uh, if they want to, that's fine, and we'll send them a certificate. But if they just want the material for themselves or for their family, yeah. we're, we're using that currently. We're, we're on that. I heard that you are working uh, quite well. That's great. So definitely got the same behavior issues. And all. I mean, so much of it is the same. Well, what we started noticing is that a lot of our military came back, particularly from Vietnam and Af Afghanistan. Uh, with anger problems, with substance abuse problems, uh, marital issues, uh, parenting, all, all of these things. 
and we just said, hey, uh, let us apply this to help you. Blessings of churches involved, and we're getting down to the very end. Our time is just about gone. Uh, you have the satisfaction of doing God's will, being the city on a hill, a greater membership, involvement, forgiveness, practice regularly, uh, generosity experienced in crime prevention. Uh, I tell people our, our church's crime prevention plan uh, starts in the, in the nursery. <laughs> and uh, it just goes on to the one-year-olds and the two-year-olds and the youth program. And when one of our youth gets in trouble and they're at the juvenile hall, we go to the juvenile hall. When they get too old to be in the juvenile hall, we'll go to the county jail. We'll go to the state prison, the federal prison. We just, uh, we're not going to give up on them. We're not going to give up on it. And what I've noticed is that we have people moving to Corpus Christi looking for King's Crossing Church of Christ because they know we're involved in this ministry. And uh, so they come looking for us. We found that people with money come looking for us because they're sick and tired of going to churches that just spend all their money on themselves and uh, making life more comfortable for the members. We're interested in a church that wants to help people uh, that don't have anything, really. And so it's amazing, the blessings to the congregation. And that's it, folks. Any, uh, any questions? I think our time is just about gone. Okay. Uh, regarding some communities, like I live in a rural area that a fairly small congregation. And, and we try to do primarily what we can through correspondence courses right now, except for what we're working with that, mm -hmm. that, that kind of separate. But we get requests for information about, do you have any halfway houses? Do you have any jobs? Let me tell you what uh, what we do, and you can write to us, uh, go on our email, send us uh, whatever. Uh, we keep a list, we keep adding to it. We have a list now of 290 companies. This isn't just in our area, this is in the U.S. who hire felons. And so we uh, provide that list to people before they get out to let them know uh, this whole thing about, uh, well, they won't hire me, I'm a felon. Here's a list of 290 companies that do hire felons. Uh, then we keep five lists of housing options. One list are those who are committed. They want to come to Corpus Christi or to the Corpus Christi area, and that's a list of housing options for them. We have one, a second list that is Texas options anywhere in the state of Texas. We have a third list, which is our state prison TDCJ approved halfway houses and some of them have no option because of their offenses they're going to have to go to one of those and here here are those options and then we have a fourth list that we call USA options and they are halfway houses throughout the United States and many of them do have a cost factor involved but I try to tell the guys I said even if it's $400 a month or $600 a month you try to look to provide a place in the community at that rate. And a lot of them, their families, I'll guarantee you, would pay more than $600 a month if they live in Tennessee to move to Florida. 
right, Bernie? <laughs> and, and sometimes there is some therapeutic value in them getting out of their hometown yeah, yeah. to start a new life. Yeah. Now then the fifth option is Church of Christ owned and operated halfway houses. And so we don't share that list with just everybody, uh, but particularly with baptized believers, with our folks, uh, we try to point them in that direction. So if you need one of those lists, let us know. Jimmy? Can they just, just contact you by yes. email or something? Right. And I can send those to you by attachment, and then you can just print them out if you'd like. Our time is gone. We need to get out for other folks. If I can answer any questions later, you're welcome.